This podcast is part of the Telerik Developer Network. Telerik by Progress. Sleep Code, the official Telerik podcast. I'm your host, Ed Charbonneau, and back with me today, my co-host, Brian Rinaldi. Welcome back, Brian. Thanks, Ed. It's been too long. Yeah, what's going on, man? What have you been up to? Oh, God. Lots of stuff. I think since the last time we did this, the very least, we had DevReach, um, which obviously you know because you were there. You want to tell everybody how was DevReach? Uh, DevReach was really great. Uh, so DevReach was a conference that you helped organize in Sofia, Bulgaria, and uh, we had a lot of amazing speakers there, including our DevRel team. Yep. And uh, what what did you make of the event, Brian? Did you enjoy uh, it? Yeah, I was thrilled. Everything went about as smoothly as I could hope it could go. Other than our yeah. little tour on the day after, but that's a whole other story. <laughs> so the um, event was, yeah, the event was in a um, movie theater for yep. the venue, and that always, I think, is a good option for a small, relatively small conference. Is you know, go in there where you've got the nice uh, audio, video stuff already set up. Yeah, the seating's always amazing, and you know, you can get in there and have a good show without yeah. a whole lot of AV efforts anyway. The speakers always love seeing their stuff up on these giant screens too. Oh yeah, they're so good these days. I mean, you just plug your laptop into a, a bridge basically and they feed it into the big projection system yep. and you've got digital output on the screen. It, it really works out well. Yeah, it's nice now Like, because I mean, I imagine before you had digital projection screens like in theaters, this was a bit of a problem. Um, yeah, you know, I bet they actually used like the the regular the old projection that I I don't even know what you call it non digital. <laughs> and, and if we ever do this again, you're gonna have to hook me up with a, an an early like uh, entry into this thing and let me play some Doom up on the big screen. <laughs> yeah, that would this be is, fun. You know, that's like every childhood fantasy right there is is Doom up on the on the movie theater screen. Now, would you play new Doom? Because that, that would actually look good. I think old Doom might look a little grainy. <laughs> I'd probably play something like Half-Life or uh, one of those other nostalgic games that you could scale up a little better. I don't know if I'm into new Doom as much as I was the old one. New, I tried new Doom. Uh, it, it was fun. I it, it feels... You know, the thing is, is like, it's it now that... They they updated it nicely, um, but it feels a little dated still because shooters have changed quite a lot. Yeah, but they yeah. tried to kind of keep that classic Doom feel. Um, so, I you know I got about I'd say two thirds of the way through it, and I'm like, man, it's getting old. You played the uh, Wolfenstein, the new Wolfenstein yet? I haven't played either of them, but they look really amazing, and the reviews for the new one are awesome. So maybe I don't know if they've upscaled it, but I, you know, maybe I'll try it on my my Christmas present. Yeah, I'm, I need a new uh, gaming rig. 
All I've got right now is my work laptop. It's not much of a yeah. That's not for playing anything great. So, I, well, I I already know what my Christmas present is. So uh, <laughs> but, um, you peaked. Yeah. Well, I helped buy it, but anyway. <laughs> so it's the One X, so the Xbox One X, which is supposed oh to be nice, amazing for especially because you can do the the um, you know 4K gaming, and I've got a nice 4K TV, so I'm I'm interested to see. Not all the games support it like fully, like true 4K rather mm-hmm. than upscaled. So I'm I'm curious to see if I can pick up a game that's like true 4K and see what it looks like if it's if, it, if it's as impressive as it sounds. It's uh, it's pretty awesome for a console. Yeah. <laughs> uh, see what yeah. I did there. Yeah. Because I'm a PC gamer guy. We've had 4K for a long time. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, but you don't play on your TV. Or big movie theaters. So we got way off track. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. So yeah, so DevReach was was fantastic. I think you know there were some really great speakers. I think actually Jen had my favorite session of the whole thing, um, and she was touching on uh, machine learning and stuff like that, which I think we'll talk a little bit about today. But but uh, there was some some really great sessions, and it all went went really well. And hopefully next year it'll be even even better. Yeah, Jen Looper's demos were on point. Yeah, yeah. It really had stuff that was relatable to like everyday life instead of, you know, a lot of demos that you see that are either overly technical or too pie in the sky fantasy. Like this will be what we're able to do in five years. I mean, she had stuff that was relatable to today and like stuff you could actually pull off on your app and and uh, actually made sense. Like things you'd actually want to add to your app. Yep. The usual well you could tell if the person's smiling and you're like oh, okay i don't know what good that does for my app but that's cool vampires <laughs> yeah. are really cool like uh she was taking pictures of fruit and they were going through your recipes uh, in your database and finding recipes that pertain to those items that you took a photo of right so, or trying to figure out what the ingredients of a particular meal were if you just took a picture of it I yeah that was impressive wasn't always right. It shows we got a long way to go. <laughs> yeah. Needs a little more training, but I mean, at least it was something you can relate to, right? Yeah. Uh, speaking of all of those talks, um, I heard they were recorded. What's the status on that? They are up. Um, they are on on YouTube. So I think it's I think it's on the Progress YouTube account, if I recall. So if you if you search for progress on YouTube, um, you should be able to find them. All of this, every session was recorded. Um, obviously, search for progress software since progress is like a very <laughs> broad name. So my but, uh, amazing face is up on YouTube, and nobody told me, so I could share that with the world. Yeah, let me see. I'm 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 double checking here because I know they're up there. Oh, you know what? Don't search for progress. Search for Telerik. I bet you they're up on the Telerik one. <laughs> uh, progress Telerik. Let's see. Videos. I'm just, you know, this is, you could tell we're recording, you know, this is all real. I'm actually here. So, because I'm, I'm literally searching for it at this very moment. I'm glad we're so well organized with our content delivery. <laughs> I know. So reassuring. 
that this is such a big part of my career that <laughs> you know <laughs> and so I, in and tune. I, yeah and here's the thing i'm not finding <laughs> oh no <laughs> i now live searching my my inbox to find so we'll put those in, those videos in the show notes whenever we find them and they're posted online. Uh, yeah, there's, but they, there's, a, there's a playlist, uh, and <laughs> they they were recorded. They were recorded. It was up. There was a playlist, and I keep getting like, uh, "Oh, hey, that playlist is private now." When I click the link, this is this is it's just not going well here. Let's see. <laughs> So, what yeah. other questions can I ask you to put you on the spot today, Brian? <laughs> I would just—it uh, is under Progress Telerik on YouTube, by the way. I found I found one of them. So, um, and there, there is a playlist. Um, it's nicely unlisted. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not in charge of social media, so. <laughs> so we will formulate their plan will to get be this. A way. We will put the link in the show notes. <laughs> Somehow you will actually be able to see these things. Well, um, it, it and there took... were good sessions. Every one of them was recorded, so there were some really good ones. And you can go see Ed's session and see, <laughs> and then write in the comments what you thought of it. So it's it's taken two years, but we finally got an episode of the podcast where an action item was given. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I can't believe this is actually so difficult it's no wonder that nobody's actually i was like wow nobody's tweeting about these videos I, there were some good sessions there well they're all unlisted we are off to a rocky start i think yeah. people are probably listening going what in the heck is going yes. on what kind of, uh, we didn't even say what we're doing today like this is a developer digest show <laughs> yeah uh, we've had many of these in the past but if you're not a frequent listener you might not understand what's happening right now <laughs> may have actually tuned out but uh um we're uh we have these shows that we mix in uh we try to do it every other week but uh we'll get to why we haven't done that in a moment but every other week we talk about the latest trends in tech or um software development and uh we usually pick some really good headlines to talk about and give our opinions on those things um it's the end of 2017 and it's uh kind of obligatory to do a show on uh, what's happened the entire year and, and give some predictions for 2018 so that's kind of what we're trying to do but yeah, in theory well, that's where we're going we're really phoning it in because it's you know the last uh, week of for productivity for the year and we've really planned this out thoroughly <laughs> which i think we're making obvious hey there was a plan which we've just diverged from it yeah so far we've talked about wolfenstein and videos that don't exist and um i think i think we're getting on track now <laughs> yeah. i think I'm, well actually i'm looking at the notes here and yes there was a plan to talk about wolfenstein <laughs> oh okay they were on your notes not mine <laughs> <laughs> oh boy yeah so um yeah speaking of, of gaming though like i just i think i caught myself a minute ago I, i've been gaming a lot with a bunch of uh canadian guys i think i said a good old-fashioned oot on there <laughs> I, think, I think i'm picking it picking it up from the chats it's rubbing off it's like peace out <laughs> yeah well you, you know just move a little bit further north and get a little bit closer yeah you keep getting it 
All righty. So All right. speaking of moving, uh, you moved uh, states this year and then you changed job roles, which is why we haven't had uh, so many developer digest shows. We've kind of been transitioning some things around and you've yep. been learning some new technologies. And I am. Uh, what, what are you learning about there, uh, Brian? So I'm learning about Convey, which is our, our back mobile backend as a service. Um, it's a little bit more than a, than this typical MBAS, but I won't get into like the whole pitch here. But but uh, yeah, so I'm trying to kind of understand the entire offering and start to get some content out about that. So I am no longer focused on TDN. And the, you know, for those of you who actually did subscribe to the newsletter, it's a temporary hiatus, hopefully temporary, and we'll get it back up and running once, you know, big companies, once as these things change, we transition stuff around and it sometimes takes a little while to get everything running back smoothly again. So, yeah, so Convey is a, a company that Progress purchased in 2017. So talking about 2017 big news. Yep. Uh, so we bought there. a mobile backend as a service. So is what is this, servers in an RV? It's mobile backend? It's well, you know, <laughs> <laughs> so, so, you know, one of the things that it touches on, which I think, you know, um, if you want to talk about getting to trends for two, 2017, I mean, we as a company bought two companies that align with some of the big trends in, in, uh, that are happening in tech right now. Right. And Absolutely. so this one, so mobile, uh, the MBAS thing is not the big trend. The big trend is serverless. And, and that's why I say it's like, it's a little bit more than an MBAS because it is, there is a whole, like the ability to build serverless architectures on convey. Um, so you, I think if, if you follow a lot of, of what's going on, people have heard about like this whole serverless architecture and yes, it's a total buzzword because you know, everybody, every time you mention it, somebody has to say, but there are servers. Yes, there are servers somewhere. Um, it's not the point. The point is more, you don't have to think about the servers. You're, you just have to build, right. That you don't have to worry about the servers. There's, you never put a thought into the servers. There's no provisioning for anything. Really. You just build your functions, deploy them and, and, you don't ever have to think about that, right? So you're so. saying fire your DevOps people. <laughs> well, it's on some level, you will have servers somewhere that you're going to, you know. Um, but yeah, you could build the whole application that way. Uh, it depends on the type of application you're doing. But So DevOps people, that's Brian Rinaldi <laughs> at progress.com. So anyway, so that, yeah, so we bought that company, which helps us kind of establish ourselves in that service space. And then we bought, um, what was the other company? Why am I blanking? At it is data RPM. Data RPM. That's right. Data RPM is our AI, uh, product that we purchased and, uh, it's a company that we purchased, but, uh, data RPM has, um, this AI, suite of products and and one of the things they're really good at is helping uh discover what the trends uh, in your data are and stuff like that so they go a little bit further than say like just getting tensor tensor flow and using that uh, right it's more of um 
of a service where uh, we have data scientists and uh, we help you analyze the data and try to figure out exactly what it is you're looking for in the data or not looking for in the data. Right. And uh, I think one of the big things they worked on was uh, a Jaguar uh, deal where uh, we serviced um, the Jaguar engines have um, uh, some kind of processor in it that's keeping track of all the engine data. And then it looks for uh, trend history and normal operation of the engine. So if something goes awry with uh, the engine, it'll immediately know that it's not within normal operation parameters, and then alert folks and you get emails and go to the mechanic and have them figure out what the real problem actually is. So yeah. it's, it's really cool stuff. And it's, yeah, so uh, yeah, exactly. So that fits in with this whole trend in 2017 of cognitive uh, computing slash machine learning, and even has that whole IOT aspect, because I think one of the things that probably, you know, is you hint at with that whole Jaguar deal is that this is specifically about industrial uh, machinery, like, so that's all, all these industrial machines have these sensors and these sensors, you know, collect data about uh, what the machine is doing, but, but the companies don't necessarily have ways of analyzing that data, or if they do, they may be analyzing it like after the fact. And right. So yeah, the machine broke down. Let's look at the data and understand what broke down. But, but uh, you know, with machine learning, one of the cool things you can do is this whole predictive um, kind of aspect to it. So in that, that in the case of this, it's like, okay, tell me when the machine is, you know, potentially going to break down beforehand or, or things like that, right? Like show me problems before they exist so I can fix them and have no downtime. Um, so, yeah, that's, but I, I mean, that's specifically what data RPM does, but it fits into that trend of cognitive computing, uh, predictive analytics, uh, you know, IOT. It's kind of in all of those things. Those are things that really have been changing the face of technology this year, right? Yeah, and I think uh, it fits really well into the Progress portfolio as well. So if you look at Progress as a company, their their history is with a lot of data collection type of technologies. Uh, you know, we have role base and, and database mm -hmm. type applications and things that enable um, IT developers to build you know database backed systems really easily. Uh, and when you're collecting data and all these different forms, then, you know, getting machine learning involved in all that data collection is just kind of the natural transition. So yeah. It wasn't a surprise to me to see the, us buy uh, this type of a, a company and integrate it into our products. Yeah. I mean, you, you did a lot of machine learning this year too. I mean, I think you could speak a lot to that whole, that, the trend, um, yeah, I dove into Azure machine learning. I really wanted to understand what machine learning was because there's a lot of uh, FUD or fear, uncertainty, and doubt, and a bunch of just kind of off-base articles. I've seen a few of them, like this um, this Facebook thing that happened where they said, you know, AI went crazy and they had to shut it down because it was inventing its own language and it's not even hardly a grain of truth in it. Um, there was another one, like, uh, somebody wrote that developers are going to all be out of jobs because AI is going to take over. And it's like, man, these things are so far off base of what this really is. 
So I started digging in and, um, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the articles that you see that are about either, you know, AI taking over jobs or taking over the world or inventing their own languages are, are confusing AI with artificial general intelligence, which is something we don't have. And that's the thing that's like the Terminator or, you know, something that can think on its own and solve any problem much like a human being can. Uh, but what AI really is right now is, uh, you know, just basically taking data we already have and analyzing it, but it doesn't know how to look for a problem unless you go into the system that it exists in and, and kind of figure out what trend data you actually want to uh, label and uh, tell the computer to, to look for the trend on and make decisions, you know, based on the data. Uh, without that human interaction to tell it what the problem is, it, it doesn't know, you know, one column of data from another. So, right. You know, all these articles that you see about this crazy stuff happening are just really far off. Uh, yeah. Your, your yeah, jobs are pretty we're, safe. How can we have artificial general intelligence when uh, we're generally lacking in general intelligence? <laughs> I think 2017 proved that. <laughs> yeah. That's uh, that's another story for another podcast. Yes. But, <laughs> not a very different set of topics. But, yeah. yeah. It's, you know, it's, it's funny to, to see these articles kind of go mainstream. Um, when they're they're founded on stuff that's just kind of just false, completely yeah. false. Well, it's, there goes your other trend of twenty seventeen. Yeah. news. <laughs> it's I not mean, technology, but it hits tech. I mean, but it affects everything, right? Like, I mean, we we have we have created this. I think you know one of the. In fact, we were mentioning the uh, earlier. You and I were talking about this Mashable article, and one and that was like the top tech trend of the year. Um, and it affects every aspect of, of like society, including some of the stuff we do at work is this kind of idea of, the, of fake news. Um, but it has a lot to do with say the social media, um, that we've created has, has given a, an easy voice to some, to people who are spouting things that are absolutely false. And the case of, that we're talking about here, absolutely false information about what machine learning is and what it does and and what impact it's going to have. And, you know, I don't know what people's agenda is there, but, you know, I'm pretty sure there is one. Yeah. Yeah. Right now, like any any of those articles you see that are like, you know, machine learning is going to replace software developers or it's going to take over the world or anything like that it's it's right up there with like the perpetual motion machines been invented type of thing it's just it's not happening uh it's it, it's not the same type of technology even uh to even put it in that that bucket so yeah that was one of the things i i figured out uh, really early on is like this thing is really dumb and it doesn't do anything more than give you prediction analysis on something that you ask it to predict and then yeah, you have to train it as well right mm-hmm. yeah so, so it's not like um it's not like it's not like it just does things on its own i mean so so one of the cool things say about data rpm is that they pre-train things but they have a very specific target right they know what they're mm -hmm. building for they're building for machine for these industrial iot like machines right yeah so um 
But other than that, I mean, you can't just, it's not like it just knows things out of the blue. Well, yeah, you're not going to. You, you told me how much trouble you had train learning how to train it, right? I mean, that wasn't easy. Yeah, it's, it's a very laborious process to yeah. go through. You have to train and verify, tweak, train, verify, tweak. It's almost like kind of like unit testing where you get a, you know, red, green refactor type of thing. And you go through many iterations of either different machine learning models or uh, filtering the data so it's clean and, you know, you're finding outliers and things that throw off the predictions and you got to weed those things out. Mm -hmm. And uh, then you also have to make sure you're not weeding out things that are legitimate so you don't ruin your own predictions with your own biases and things like that. Um, you know, it's, it's like, could you imagine taking, you know, this machine learning algorithm that's predicting like credit analysis, uh, can you apply for a bank loan and, and get a loan based on your, your past history, that same model that you build for that, you can't go feed it baseball scores and tell you who's going to win the world series. Right. Like right. <laughs> that's how night and day, like machine learning versus, uh, um, what do you call it? it uh, artificial general intelligence is <laughs> it's, it's, yeah. it's a whole different ball of wax. But yeah, it's, and it's really on, cool the, on that note, we when we do have the videos for DevReach, there were some really good ones on this very topic. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, let's not revisit that. <laughs> we'll figure that out and we'll put it in show notes, or we'll um, we'll have another show the beginning of the year sometime soon yeah we'll let everybody know where those awesome videos are so so on another trend that we simply cannot avoid um and and how much impact it'll have on tech i still have to still not sure but uh yeah i, I know you you bought your bitcoin ages ago right i wish i had <laughs> Everybody I had an opportunity had. to play oh, around. I was going to do some mining back in the day too. I had like an old computer with the graphics card and I was like, I should set this thing up and just see what it does. And I never did and should have. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Everybody, but, I think everybody feels that way at the same time. It's like. If I would have done that I though, Brian, I probably wouldn't be ago. here talking to you. Yeah. Or you would have sold it a long time ago. You know? <laughs> yeah. I made mean, like, $10. Oh, I said 50 I'm selling it. You know. I went to Chili's. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, I don't think Bitcoin itself is going to change technology per se, you know, because, um, you know, I think, you know, not to get too deep into into the topic, but I, I mean, it's not very functional as, a, as an alternative currency when it's sitting at, what, $16,000 per Bitcoin. Um, and it's basically held by a small group of, you know, there's not like, it's not the, it didn't become at all what we had anticipated it would become early on. Um, when, I don't know if you remember, but people started taking Bitcoins for like small transactions and mm -hmm. things like that. And when it's $16,000 per Bitcoin and it's being traded by hedge funds and stuff like that, you know, yeah, uh, we're not in the same we're not dealing with the same thing we thought we were dealing with early on. I'll have to read just pretty much anything about it. I know very little. Um, yeah. I'm wondering if you're able to get a percentage of a Bitcoin. Like, uh, do you have yeah, to I, own an entire I, Bitcoin? As far as I know, you can get a piece piece of a Bitcoin. It's a bit tricky, though, because um, 
because of all this stuff, like it's very volatile market. So it's been going up and down and up, you know, very like, so it'll go up a thousand dollars and down a thousand dollars in the same day. Right. Like, which is not very good for a currency. Yeah. Um, you know, so like, how do you, how do you take a currency like that when like, you know, to figure out exactly what it's worth at any given moment, it's like, it's super volatile. So like even some places that did take it have started to like say, yeah, no, sorry. Well, other places I think are trying to cash in and are now accepting it, but this is like for things like houses and, you know, yeah. how to buy a house with a Bitcoin kind of with Bitcoins. Um, but under, underlying that is this whole blockchain thing that, I mean, you know, if you want to be cool, just talk about blockchain on Twitter. You don't even have to know what you're talking about. Um, so, because I certainly don't. I know really very little about blockchain, but I do know that that is, I at least know that that is something that, you know, under what it's the tech, tech that underlies Bitcoin. And it is something that is actually in the long run may impact developers. Yeah, I believe that's what, powers the um the ledger system in bitcoin yeah. yeah uh but that's about all i know of it uh, yeah yeah we're gonna have to learn i guess at some point you know it's funny you're talking about buying a house with a with a bitcoin and it kind of reminds me with the holidays coming up uh we'll probably play some monopoly and it's kind of like Monopoly when you're you got the one person that's finally like taking over everything. Mm. And, uh, some of some of the additions of Monopoly had like these high dollar coins that were included. They're like ten thousand mm. dollars, <laughs> and you'd like start banking you know all your money and putting them into these coins. And it's it's just more of a, <laughs> a rub it in move than it is to actually serve as a function in the game. Like we're we're getting the real life version of that with Bitcoin now. Yeah, it's you know those that's playing into larger trends overall, and you know, it, and it it it's not. Um, I mean, not I'm not, and I'm not trying to get political here, but that's not a sustainable, long term thing, right? You can't just keep consolidating money in these smaller and smaller groups. Um, which is what's happened with Bitcoin and and elsewhere. So th this is an odd um, segue, but uh, this is about <laughs> some, something that happened that was kind of of geek culture in 2017. And uh, I'll I'll just say my my Rick and Morty Szechuan sauce poster is for sale for some Bitcoin. <laughs> I you know I still have yet to see Rick and Morty, and I I I. I suspect that i may love it but i just have not actually ever watched it uh it's, uh, a, it's an amazing show it's definitely uh not safe for work so we can't talk about too much of it in detail but um it's it's got a good geek following which uh comes with good and bad things like um yeah. uh, geeks are very passionate about their nerdiness and uh they decide to do this limited run of of sauces here in the u.s and like a, a handful of McDonald's got like 20 packets of this sauce. They, they mentioned on an episode of Rick and Morty from, you know, this was like something they had in the nineties or something, some kind mm -hmm. of sauce that McDonald's had. So they made this offhanded joke. And of course, you know, geeks have to go bananas and demand that, you know, they get to try the sauce and McDonald's played to it and decided to make like 20 packets for 10 stores. And, uh, 
people basically rioted in McDonald's for some sauce that was popular 30 years ago. <laughs> it was. Yeah, I heard a little bit about this, but I, I mean, like, since I didn't know Rick and Morty, um, you know, very well, I, I, I really had no idea what all the Szechuan sauce talk was about. <laughs> Yeah, they, they made it to proponent. Uh, McDonald's made this sauce to promote a movie, uh, Mulan, in the 90s. Uh, mm-hmm. So, a Disney movie. And there's just like this one scene, it's probably like 20 seconds at the most. And the character's ranting about the sauce that doesn't exist anymore. And he loves it. And, you know, if it takes nine seasons of Rick and Morty, he's going to get his hands on some. And I guess somebody at McDonald's is a fan, so they're like, uh, yeah, we're making a limited run of it. <laughs> and it kind of blew up in their face. And because um, they didn't, they didn't, you know, they underestimated the, the, demand. the demand of geeks. And uh, I think geek culture is, is pretty strong on their memes. And um, they will go to lengths to, go to a McDonald's and stand in line and camp it's out. I mean, we camp out for phones. We camp out for movie tickets. Um, I, I'm sure people are still standing in line for iPhones. We had the iPhone 10 come out this year. So it's 10 or is it X? I don't keep up with these things, Brian. It's 10, right? What? 10 what? 10. Oh, yes. Well, X or whatever. I mean, 10, X. Because they, they went 8 and went straight to 10. Yeah, somebody else, some other big tech company did a skipping 9. I don't know. Oh, wait. <laughs> it was Microsoft. <laughs> we skipped There's Windows 9 and went to 10. So I guess... Uh, um, a trendsetter. Microsoft yeah. setting the standard. Which actually, okay, so you want to get on trends of this year? Um, it, I'd say from a developer standpoint, what this was definitely the year Microsoft solidified itself as kind of the, um, in this leading edge of, you know, developer software. And so they were there before, right? Many, many years ago. And then there was many years where as I think developers, even .NET developers would be like, you know, what, oh, so what do you do? I'm a oh, I'm developer, what kind? And the mumble .NET under their breath kind of thing, you know, um, where it wasn't cool and now, you know, with .NET Core, it's it seems like it's gotten to be cool again. I'm not a .NET developer, but you so you could speak more to that. But I see .NET developers more vocal about what they do now than they used to be. Yeah. Uh, so it's been about 17 years since Microsoft uh, released .NET. So yeah. what they did originally is they they brought. Uh, the web, a platform, ASP.NET web forms, uh, that was very streamlined for desktop developers to transition to web technology. So they had technologies in there, like uh, something called a view state that kind of abstracted away HTTP and, and kind of made it like a desktop environment uh, from the programming perspective, uh, it was a really good tool for transitioning desktop developers over to the web, but over the long haul, that didn't hold up well. And in the mm-hmm. meantime, um, technology and, and the sector kind of transitioned to open source. And, uh, so you kind of got 
this feeling of uh, we've got this web framework and um, we've, you know, whether we're doing ASP.NET on the web or .NET on the desktop, it's not open source and all the hipsters are doing open source and it's very corporate-y and kind of got this uh, kind of branding of being, you know, corporate world technology that mm-hmm. everybody uses behind closed doors and and uh, everybody sits in a cube farm and hacks away at, you know, corporate code all day. There's nothing fun about it and nothing exciting, nothing bleeding edge. And uh, over the last, ooh, I don't know, five or more years, Microsoft's tried to reinvent itself to be more, uh, more open and... Um, you know, release open source technologies and open source their code that they have and create frameworks that are more modern and up to date with web standards as they are today. And uh, over the last like two or three years, it's really picked up some steam. And uh, when they released ASP.NET Core last year, um, it was a huge shift in the right direction. Uh, it's all open source. Uh, even the older .NET frameworks open source now, but this is probably one of the uh, one of the few frameworks that was created initially to be open source, and um, it's it's up on GitHub, and you can you know submit pull requests and all all that good stuff. And um, they've started to standardize a lot of their platforms together, and that finally uh, came to be this year. They released .NET Standard two, which solidified like a ton of APIs into one standard. So it's a lot easier to get up and running. So they've got a lot of good things going for them this year. Um, with .NET Standard 2 and .NET Core 2, they've aligned uh, open source and multi, multi-platform development and standardization. And, and they're just hitting it on all cylinders. And releases are coming out faster than we can write about it. Uh, yep. So they've, they've really impressed the tech community. And people are excited about uh, .NET development again. And developing apps for Azure and Windows and Linux and iOS and Android, you know, using things like C sharp and uh, it's, it's great to see. Yeah, no. And I mean, and beyond just.net, right. The kind of resurgence of.net Microsoft has, I mean, I think this is a year that pretty much code Visual Studio Code solidified itself as the editor of choice for JavaScript and web developers. Um, it was already kind of getting there, but the, but now uh, it's very rare that I see anybody using anything else. And even when they are, they're like, yeah, I'm thinking about moving to code. Uh, so, yeah. you know, it... The popularity of code hit quick. Yeah, and then... And then they're they're you know they've been doing a lot in open source, and this is also the year that they managed to hire simply every single person who was um, well known on Twitter that did JavaScript <laughs> or machine learning. Right? It seems like everybody I know got hired by Microsoft, um, except you and and I. So. Um, you know, including uh, Burke, who left us this year. Burke Holland went, um, but you know they they joined a good team there, and they they've got some yeah. really cool stuff to talk about. And I think that's the draw. I think that's one of the things that that brought a lot of people on board is they're actually excited that there's you know 
innovation in that space and they wanted to be part of it. And, yeah. Um, yeah. Azure, this is the year of Microsoft. Yeah. For sure. Azure Meanwhile, letting, letting people to write node and, and serve up yeah. node applications. And then, uh, you know, like you said, uh, VS code just taking off like a rocket has yep. brought a lot of attention that way. It's definitely, I mean, uh, in that, in that vein, I mean, uh, you know, we had, this was the year that Microsoft just kind of rose to the top there. And while Apple is still up there, lots of Apple missteps, I think this year, um, you know, yeah. people generally seems like disappointment in the, the new MacBooks uh, overall, uh, you know, the, I mean, the reviews of the iPhone X or 10 or whatever it is seem generally positive, but also, you know, the notch caused all kinds of controversy and yeah, I, the, I, like, I, lots of little, little missteps that just typically Apple is, does, you know, you, the image of Apple is a company that doesn't make those kind of missteps. Yeah. I, I thought they should have aligned their branding. So they, they have the Apple watch. I, I thought they should have changed the iPhone and went with the Apple Notch, so they they'd have the Apple Watch, and that goes on your wrist, and then the Apple Notch is the phone. <laughs> I thought that would have been a great, a great yeah, uh, alignment mean, of branding right there. The rest of our team would make fun of us because we're like the only uh, <laughs> Apple Apple phone. You know, I, I I'm on a Mac, but like you know, I also have Windows, but I have always been I've been Android for. Uh, I've been Android since Android really sucked. They would basically. they would scowl at us with uh, custom emoticons that adhere to their facial expressions. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's the one feature that really has me considering switching. Oh, it's yeah, critical. No, I, I will. I will give them um, uh, props on something though. Um, but, yeah, uh, the augmented reality. Absolutely. Right? I was going to say Microsoft's like hit the market with like this amazing $3,000 headset. That's mm -hmm. like pretty much science fiction meets reality. Uh, but, uh, Apple, they, they come out with, um, AR kit and it's more, uh, instead of, uh, you know, futuristic technology, you know, being available today at a premium, it's, Hey, everybody can actually use this and it's accessible and developers can get on board and build things without investing $3,000 in hardware. <laughs> Maybe, I don't know. I saw that new MacBook pro, yeah. like uh, what 16 grand, but no, seriously, you can, you can get a cheaper MacBook and um, you can actually access this technology and, and make, you know, AR apps without some huge hardware investment. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I think they, they definitely did do, do that right. Uh, I think, you know, Google's done with, <clears throat> is heading the same direction, but it's really only with the pixel, I think right now. So it's a bit, uh, it, you know, the, the uptake is going to be very slow on, until it starts hitting, say hitting the Samsung phones more and stuff like that. So. Yeah. It's a bit more me too at this point, in my opinion. Yeah. But uh, Granted, they did get the Star Wars stickers, so so. You know. <laughs> yeah, Apple did a good job as they normally do with their marketing around it. Um, that's their strong suit; has always been their marketing, and um, I think they marketed it well. And and apparently, it's I haven't used it myself, but it 
it must be f- pretty friendly to use as a developer because it, people seem genuine, genuinely excited about using it. In uh, mm-hmm. uh, no matter how cool the technology is, if it's not easy for a developer to use, usually they don't brag about it too much. They're like, "Yeah, I built this really cool thing, but it was the worst day of my life trying to put it together." <laughs> I don't, yeah. I don't, I haven't heard any of that. I've heard positive things, and it looks really cool. Uh, and the the holograms or whatever you want to call them, the augmented. 3d objects look pretty solid they don't seem to like float around inside the phone they they seem to adhere to the surfaces you put them on and stuff like that so i think they did a pretty solid job yeah it's going to be interesting to see where that goes i'm not you know i think right now it's been fun Uh, there are some useful things you can do with ar um you know i've been less sold on vr Mm -hmm. uh than ar seems to me like it has some useful functions vr i have not i mean i've tried it and i had had some stuff and i mean it's just you get into the you get into multiple problems first that there's a a significant segment of the population that simply cannot use it because they get motion sickness right away like almost immediately right um and that's not like uh some oh yeah they'll get used to it kind of thing they i mean they i've seen some presentations and stuff and it's basically like yes there is a legitimate percentage like a significant percentage of people who simply cannot use this technology because it just it, it makes them feel sick um which is a an impediment right off the bat right uh and then and then i have yet other than some interesting gaming it's like i have yet to see how this can be a useful tech but yeah that's my own personal opinion i think vr is is very niche it's gonna it's gonna be useful for very few things but do them really well and then i see augmented reality over the next five or ten years being one of those things that nobody thought they could live without or nobody can live without and they never thought they'd need um could be i could be wrong yeah like the phone like uh, 10 years ago, you'd have been like, why would everybody want to carry the screen around in their pocket and interface with this thing all the time? Yeah, um, I remember saying, like, why does anybody want to, like, what good is a crappy camera and a crappy phone, like, you know, that takes grainy pictures? Dumb idea. Just bring a camera, take a good picture. Yeah, I think yeah. people... People will be, you know, driving their car, or maybe the car will be driving itself, but they'll be, say, walking down the street, let's... Hopefully people are still walking in 10 years. Um, You know, say they're walking down the street and they're they're thinking to themselves, I can't believe, you know, we didn't get directions overlaid in front of our face all the time. (laughs) I don't know how people got around, you know, before they gave directions in your eyeballs. That would be an AR thing, though. Yeah, that's that's what I said. said. AR AR is, is like very useful. VR is like, okay. You're not going to have people, I think, walking around with headsets on, you know, even though the movie, the, the, what's the movie that's coming out looks, looks interesting. Mm. Um, I ready player one. Yeah. 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 But I don't think that world is actually going to exist, you know, where people are wearing these dumb headsets and think of that, you know, I might've said those in reverse. I might've I, I got my yeah. A's and B's mixed up. Yeah. But uh, no. yeah, AR is going to be ubiquitous. Like everybody's going to be using it. And it's going to be in some other form than just on our 
devices on our, you know, our phone devices. Yep. Uh, probably be in some sort of glasses and either like a Google Glass or a uh, HoloLens type of thing. And we'll try to imagine how people got got by without it before. Just like we're, we can't imagine how people <laughs> had landlines and used that chaos. Yep. A party line, uh, Brian? What's that? <laughs> uh, yeah. On that note, now that you've predicted the future, um, I think we maybe we should. We've been like 45 minutes now on a whole variety of topics. Do we have like a summary of what, what is what? You know, what are you feeling now that 2017 is over? What are your hopes for 2018 from a Death videos? Devridge videos, yes, yes, it's happening. I literally sent the email as we spoke. Said, "Hey, what's going on? This, this is, <laughs> these are they're they're in there, but they're all unlisted. How did I not notice this before?" Um, so anyway, uh, being fixed as we speak. So that may even make it into 2017 by by you know the skin of its teeth. But 2018 will be the year of .NET migration. So moving stuff from .NET Framework to .NET Core. I think there's a lot of people that are going to be looking at that and yeah. uh, trying to figure out how to build those migration plans and get that in effect for the next few years. Um, JavaScript, uh, more functional programming. See that happening in other programming languages. I'm going to assume the same. Yeah, more Angular. Yeah, more I mean, Angular. it's already happening. Yeah, we didn't get into Angular, Angular? Vue, and React. Holy cow. Yeah, that would be my, my prediction is for 2018 is this. See, I'd like to tell you that it's going to be the year of Vue because I think Vue is really interesting and definitely has garnered a following. But I've always been surprised because these things tend to come out of left field that really just kind of um, suddenly come out of nowhere and, so, and the next thing you know, within a year, everybody's using it. So... Vue seems to kind of be, man. yeah. Vue seems to <laughs> Vue seems to be gaining a following, but I don't know if it has that that momentum to be like, okay, it's finally going to usurp React, right? Um, and I'm not talking Angular. Ang Angular, look, Angular is still hu used hugely, but huge. Um, but it's it's mostly, uh, I think, mostly in the enterprise. In my in my view from what I can tell. And, and that's, that's important, but I think react has, if, if you just kind of follow what's going on in the JavaScript community, react is unavoidable, right? Yeah. It's everywhere. So, so I think so it's whatever's going to come has to kind of take reacts place. And I, I, I really am enjoying view, but I don't know if that's what it's going to be. And maybe I think something, comes out of left field and really changes the whole, because what Vue does is build on React and a little bit on Angular. And I think what React did versus say Angular and what Angular did versus say Backbone was it really changed the underlying paradigms. Like it, it came out with something so revolutionary in React, the case would be this virtual DOM, right? Um, and, and just changed the way we thought about applications. And while I think Vue, makes it easier to do some of the things that React and and Angular already do, uh, it doesn't do that. So uh, I'm not sure it's going to be Vue. 
but I think something is going to come around because the JavaScript community can't seem to sit still and and actually adopt something for good. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if maybe one technology to rule them all is the right approach either. So Angular yeah, might I be agree. good for project A and B, but Vue's better for this smaller project C, and you know those those things can coexist in different scale of application without stepping yeah. on each other's toes and eating each other's lunch. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see, but I think, you know, there's definitely going to be, a, I think some changes uh, that we can't really easily see coming next year in terms of what technologies people are using for JavaScript development. Yeah. I think some people will migrate from jQuery still, um, even though it's still a great tool, just as V. Yep. Uh, is yeah. you know that smaller subset of Angular and React. So I think we've got a, a four good frameworks in the mix that uh, look pretty stable anyway. So stability in JavaScript land would be nice for just 2018. Like uh, just watching those yeah, things not be betas anymore. And uh, <laughs> it's not going to happen. <laughs> I don't think it's ever going to happen. The community is just too much like it, it moves on to the next new thing a little. So I, I, I love the way that that um, promotes some degree of innovation, but I also think it tends to be unsettling and, and really um, sometimes kind of prevent us from building standards around the technologies we have or improving them. And we're, we're, more than ready to just move on and replace it to, to the next thing. Yeah. But that's me. I'm old. You're just like you. I'm even older than you, Ed. So I'm old and I'm grouchy. And that's <laughs> <laughs> so that, that'll be my, my 2018. I will be uh, older and grouchier. Yeah. That's my prediction. <laughs> <laughs> that prediction's held up so well in the past. We'll go with it again. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to think like what other big things are coming in 2018 uh any hardware out there i think i think i may grab one of those surface books 2018 yeah i don't know i i don't i don't see any any big hardware changes it seems like that's i mean microsoft's doing a great job there but and and apple too but they both although you know if you love your dongles but uh <laughs> but you know it's it's not it's not where the innovation is right like so at least not yet but maybe that's what changes somebody comes out with something and you're like yes that's awesome i think i think one thing we haven't really seen take off yet and i think we we may have predicted on 2017 uh back in 2016 is bots bots just don't see i mean they're they're being hyped but i'm not seeing them in the wild just not seeing it uh, I see them in the wild, but it's very specific use cases. Like there's a company even based here in Orlando, a startup that, that they specifically make bots for uh, customer support and things like that for, for the financial industry. So like when you, if you want to get on and, and you can, you know, ask questions about your account and, then, you know, things like that. So I, I think that's, that's where they're 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 uh, useful. Uh, I think Facebook is doing some good things with bots uh, because they're, you know, while I'm not a huge Facebook fan, the UI that they have for their bots is actually 
very interesting because it combines visual with chat, right? Yeah. Um, so I think they're they're heading in the right direction. I, I, so I think they're going to be more. They're around a lot more, and what I'd say, twenty seventeen was with bots was not the year that they made. Um, that they made a, uh, uh, they became ubiquitous kind of thing. It was the year that companies realized that they needed to do it. They needed to start investing in it for certain use cases, right? Like it just became um, a more natural technology fit for certain types of things, right? Yeah. As opposed to like, oh, we, you know, everybody needs to build a bot, right? Now it's like, okay, we understand what the technology is good for and, let's we're going to actually start using it and so i think you'll start seeing more of these in the wild i think the only places i've really seen it uh, pick up myself is amazon alexa and uh that merger between cortana and alexa and siri and i think alexa is the one that's really pulling ahead of the pack uh which is is good for amazon um i like amazon as you know they're their shopping services and things, their hardware, not so much. I haven't been a, a big fan of it. I've tried several things and they never seem to work out for me. Um, the, the Amazon tap and echo, those are cool. Um, but they, uh, changed some things midstream while I had one with their music service that kind of left a bad mm. taste in my mouth. Uh, they used to have like a, uh, a bunch of stuff on Amazon Prime you could listen to, and then they changed something where everything went pretty much to Amazon Prime Music, which is like another service you have to subscribe to. So music I was yeah, getting I mean, free, than Prime, but, yeah. Yeah. music I was getting for free ended up migrating to something that cost money. Um, that that kind of. I don't care who yeah. you are, what service, you know, I don't care if you're Microsoft, Apple, or Amazon, that leaves a bad taste in the customer's mouth. When you have a thing that's free and then for no apparent reason, it's not free the next day. Uh, so my, my tap ended up, you know, just not being used for much other than a Bluetooth speaker at that point. Um, I've had, I have an Amazon TV, fire TV. And uh, when when you use Alexa with that, you're supposed to be able to say, well, turn on whatever show and it'll find that show and turn it on. Um, I, I see that tends to work with like Amazon prime movies and stuff, but it's also supposed to work with the, with other things like Hulu, which it does not. So like, if you say, you know, uh, I want to watch this show and it happens to be on Hulu, it will pull up the Hulu app and actually it'll, it'll pull up the search and tell you it's on Hulu. And then you have to click play, then it will load the app, but then it won't load the video. You have to go in search for it again within the app to find it again and then play it. So it's like this thing that just totally is broken and doesn't, doesn't help. So while Alexa yeah. is very cool and it seems to be the one that's mainstream, it's, it doesn't come without several flaws. Yeah. Can you hear my dog howling? I can. What's his prediction for 2018, Brian? <laughs> he hates when the phone rings and I don't answer it. He starts howling. Now there's proof of it on the internet. So um, anyway, I think uh, I think we 
I pretty much covered it. Everybody, you 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 now know what's going to happen in 2018, so you're ready. Yeah. You're prepared. All the, all the listeners who made it through the full hour, you are ready. <laughs> <laughs> it will be interesting to see uh, what happens with all of these uh, ML and um, bots and and how everything keeps merging together and making cool apps. And uh, yep, looking and oh, one one final prediction for 2018. There, I think we can we can end on. There will be more Developer Digest episodes. Yes, yeah, we'll, <laughs> we'll be back in routine here soon. Um, we'll be back in 2018, probably in about the second to third week of January. Uh, because of holiday schedules and time off, there's going to be no backlog to keep playing episodes at the beginning of the year. And then I immediately am going to CodeMash, uh, and that is on January 9th. So CodeMash is a week-long event in Sandusky, Ohio, a very popular uh, developer event. Probably over 2,000 people will be there, uh, and I've got speaking engagements and workshops, and I'll probably try to record a couple podcast episodes while I'm there. Uh, but those things, uh, those activities will delay the show from airing for a little while. Uh, so late January, we'll be back in routine with uh, something every week. And uh, we'll have interviews and developer digest shows with me and Brian. And uh, Brian, is, I'm glad to have you back, man. It's been yeah it's been good this was a lot of fun been a busy guy with these uh events and job transitions and uh yeah now we can we can get back to talking tech and uh one, one last prediction will there be a dev reach 2018 um my understanding is yes there is a dev reach 2018 i it's as with all this other stuff you mentioned, it's a little bit complicated. I am probably not going to be directly involved in running it. Um, so, so I, but, it, but it is supposedly happening. So I will tell European listeners and US listeners too, but more European listeners, if you want to get tickets to DevReach, uh, you better get on it when we announce it because that sucker sold out quick last year. Yeah, it sold out really quick, way faster than I expected. I mean, we were sold out a month and a half before the event, easily. So, so uh, yep. I predict another sellout for 2018 and uh, look for more shows starting mid-January sometime. Uh, you can find us at ESC Podcasts on Twitter. You can find the show on iTunes, SoundCloud, and your favorite pod-catching device. Uh, make sure you give us a like on those um those services if you like the show and share it with your friends uh, let us know what you want to see in upcoming shows reach out to us on twitter at esc podcast and uh, give us suggestions uh we've got a lot of uh, stuff getting lined up in the process of uh transitioning to 2018 but i definitely am up for some suggestions to see what you guys want to hear about 